Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. So what have we learned? Well, college basketball has taught us a lot already, but what we learned last night is maybe old Roy and Bill Self should go to a Indiana-Purdue-Fort Wayne Mastodons practice and learn how to beat the Indiana Hoosiers. Folks, welcome to the Screen the Screener podcast. What a show we have for you today. Great night last night. Gus, it was a triple screen night. We had three games coming down to the wire. We got Dick Hoops Weiss, the college basketball sports writer, Hall of Famer. Boy, what a show we got for them today, huh, Gus? Oh, my goodness, Mike Randall. Uh, Good morning, good afternoon. Good evening, listeners. Thank you for getting the podcast in your ears, however you choose to consume. And we are so thankful, so grateful, so humbled that you all choose to put us in your earbuds, maybe on your commute, maybe while you're raking leaves, maybe just while you're washing dishes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We are so excited to bring you what we have today. Uh, we got a full slate, right, Mike Randall? Oh, we got a full slate, Gus. Every show, we're like a, a snowball. We have not had snow in the East Coast yet. Not a ton yet, oh, anyway. But we just keep gathering momentum. And this this show is loaded. We're going to have Dick Hoops Weiss from Blue Star Media. He was kind enough to come on with us. Gave us about 20 minutes. Incredible knowledge. He was in the Bahamas. I don't know, Gus, was he going on a water slide in the Bahamas? Who knows what he was doing? But but he sure as heck was watching some basketball, and he's got a lot to share with us. He's going to be on in a little bit. Um, uh, we got to start, I think, because you're a modest guy. We should start with your fishy lines because, yes, folks, all good things come to an end. Gus did lose a fishy line, but don't worry, Sharps. He's still 5-1, and one, and he's got one for you that's going on right now. Yeah, I think we have an in-game fishy line in podcast fishy line so while we're recording the podcast cincinnati and iowa state are uh, actually you know have just started in the ball is on the court um they are competing uh the line in this game is minus seven for the home team iowa state cyclones it is in hilton um we here at screen the screener were in love with cincinnati and the minus seven um we feel it's a little unfair to put it out there for you uh, since it will be too late for you to consume, participate. But we just wanted to throw it out there as a screen the screen or fishy line. Um, yes, we are five and one. We're going to try to continue our streak and uh, give you a couple more next podcast. So in podcast, fishy line, Cincinnati minus seven in Hilton going against everything that you know is true about Hilton magic. Yeah, and it, and guys, it's tied right now. Okay, so it's tied. It's like two minutes in. So we're not sitting here at the end of the night. Trust us, okay? Uh, this will just keep you rolling with Gus and with his fishy line. So folks, as they say and we like to hear, that's a fishy line. That's correct. That is a fishy line. You're on the uh, you're on the bull here, Gus. Here we go. Um, so yeah, we got a great show for you today. Last night and the, and the whole weekend, the last couple games rather, fantastic night of basketball. I feel like we're in screen the screener euphoria, uh, hoops wise. Uh, but we got to start before we get to hoops. Let's get into our news and notes. News and notes from the hardwood. All right, so folks, news and notes. Uh, hoops was at this game. We're going to go back to the Bahamas to start. It was on Monday. Yeah. The Kentucky Wildcats are on quite the roll. One fifteen to sixty nine over Arizona State. Coach Hurley, I'm sorry. Uh, basically, Gus, listen, I think Kentucky's like a caged animal right now that hasn't eaten in two weeks. 
They are scalding hot. They're crawling through the desert sort of looking for basketball carcasses. 7-0, and three consecutive games over 100 points. They had six guys in double figures led by Monk. Your call with All-American, which is looking so right, with 23 are glue guy on steroids, Isaiah Briscoe at 20, and my guy, uh, De'Aaron Fox with the triple-double. Um, wow, what do you think about that game? So here's what I think about this particular game, and just Kentucky on the whole. Uh, we knew that they would be athletic and defend. Uh, we knew that they'd be ultra-competitive. By no means did we think that they would be this efficient and this automatic offensively. I'm blown away by how good they are offensively this early on. Usually this type of like uh, greasy wheel uh, kind of uh, uh, super efficiency does not show up until later on the year for Cal and Kentucky. But, I mean, we're seven, six games in, and they are putting up 100 points like it's nobody's business. And they're putting up the 100 points with breakaway dunks, made three-pointers, post shots. Like, I'm more impressed with their offense than with their defense, and I was I was coming in like expecting them to be gr- unbelievably great defensively, just blown away by their offense. Yeah, it, it's been incredible, and it's setting up for what really is the game of the weekend. Saturday noon, we're going to oh. have Kentucky versus UCLA, two unbeatens, Alonzo Ball from UCLA and De'Aaron Fox. I, I'm speechless. I, I don't know what that's going to be like. And listen, little history for you because we, we have to remember our history for these games. Let's go back to December 23rd of 2014. That game was in Chicago. UCLA came west to battle Kentucky, who is number one. And do you remember how it started? It started Kentucky 24, UCLA, the most storied college basketball school in history, with zero. It started 24-0. to Kentucky led 41-7 to at halftime. That was the all-time lopsided loss for the most accomplished college basketball program in history. It wasn't their worst loss, which was 48 points. They lost 83-42, to so only a 41-point loss. But the seven points in the first half was an all-time low for, for UCLA. Gus, they are going to remember that game. And there's people that were the players and the coach were there for that. Steve Alford, Bryce Alford, Hamilton, Gerald Smith, a reserve guard. Thomas Welsh was there. Uh, the 6'11 Hungarian forward. Gorgi Goldman were all there. This game is in Kentucky. But if you think for one millisecond that UCLA doesn't remember it, they have it circled. You're out of your mind. It's going to be a battle. Get your popcorn ready. Look, the history lesson is well served here. If you're on the UCLA, UCLA roster, this is all over your bulletin board. This is in your locker this is in your shoes. This is in your gym bag. This is this is in your your textbook that you're going to bring to class on the inside cover. There, there is nothing anywhere that that game is not going to be plastered in your brain if you're a UCLA Bruin. That alone should provide us with an unbelievable atmosphere for a game that is going to give us, present us, thankfully, possibly a matchup of the two best backcourts in the nation. Lonzo Ball, Alfred, Fox, Monk, that matchup. And then, you know, and then we have, you know, then we have the periphery players of, of, of Briscoe and, and Hamilton um, and Holiday coming off the bench. And, you know, that's, the, I mean, those guys are the aside. They could be the main attraction in any other program. That, that matchup of the backcourt is so appealing, so appetizing. If, you, if you're a college basketball fan, even just casually, your eyes have to be on this game. I'm so looking forward to it. 
Um, and UCLA has all the motivation in the world to come in and be unbelievably ultra competitive. Now, speaking of casual, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to my favorite uh, college basketball referee, Gene Steratore. Yeah. Yes. A very ca- casually tremendous official. It was a great game. Uh, he called the game the uh, last night as well. So he was all over that uh, Michigan State Duke game, which we'll get to uh, get to right now, actually. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It's going to be an incredible battle. They're ready for it. They're going to bring John Belushi in. He's going to give the speech like he did from Animal House. This game is not going to be a blowout. We'll get to our picks a little bit later. I think Gus and I are at different ends of these picks. But I love – I know that the Kentucky's got the great freshmen. I know that. They're tremendous. They're going to be home. They're going to be fired up. But so is UCLA. And they're ready for this game. Can't wait for it. Game of the weekend, noon on Saturday. Sit in front of a television. Take care of the leaves or whatever you're doing later on. Um, Tuesday, we had the Michigan State Duke game. Okay, so last night – uh, yeah. Or two nights ago, rather, Duke wins seventy eight sixty nine. Grayson Allen started with the injury. Actually, it said we said on the last podcast we weren't sure if he was going to play. He did. Uh, definitely, what we referred to, Michigan State came out with a lot of energy. Okay, they needed this win. They're four and four now. They were trying to get started. Uh, Tum Tum Naren really starts their engine. I think he's so valuable to what they do. Duke did control Mile Bridges a lot in the game, but he showed his athletic ability. Billis was talking about too impressive. He had these two missed dunks, uh, yeah. Gus, that, that were almost as good as if he the way made they them. Brought it was a really impressive. Yeah, they brought. They really did. But I, what I took away from this game, and then whatever you know, I'm not sure what you did, but Emil Jefferson, even with the freshman out, he is going to be so very important to what Duke does because you win in college basketball, and nobody does it better than Shashevsky has with players who know their role. Jefferson is doing what the Plumley brothers did. He gets the rebounds. He had 17 and 13. Grayson Allen went off in the second half at 24. Kennard at 20. He does what he needs to do, and you need someone to do that role. That's how you win, and he's going to mop up. Like, if you don't have one of these glue guys with your superstars, then your superstars have to work that much harder. The job that Emil Jefferson does, and for that for that reason, Matt Jones, like, why not throw him into that equation as well? Good one. Like, the job that those guys do make the job that Grayson Allen uh, and when they come back, Tatum and Giles, th- th- those guys make the superstar's job much easier. The the, the, the dirty work, the coming off the screens clean, uh, the, the, you know, not mixing it up for that seventh rebound. So Grayson Allen only has to get five rebounds. Like all of those little things, the cumulative effect of, of, of the effort that those guys put forward make it much easier for your superstars to be superstars and win the game. Yeah, so impressed with Emil Jefferson and Matt Jones. Totally on board with that. Agree. He, he he's he's the he's the glue guy, right? He doesn't have to get the points. He'll get the ball in the post. He'll get his double double. Now, my Michigan State takeaways. Uh, yeah. Aaron Aaron Harris. He's been very up and down this year, and as he goes, Michigan State goes. Absolutely. He's, he's traveled multiple times in open space. I mean, you know, Division One big time players should not be doing that. It's almost as if I'm getting the feeling, Gus, he's not ready to be the man. But he's not the man. Miles Bridges is, but I think he's struggling with his role. Last year, he was like the yeah. third score right behind Forbes and Valentine. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he's struggling with that. But his ability to improve is going to be tethered directly to whether Sparty's going to start winning games. They're four and four. You know they'll get it together. Izzo's a Hall of Fame coach, all that stuff. But listen, I have to tell you, Coach Izzo, you played Arizona, Kentucky, Florida Gulf Coast, Baylor, Wichita State, and Duke. Enough, enough. White flag, okay? You find Larry Brown, play his high school team, get your team an easy game, please, Coach. We we appreciate it. And you know, Gus, I'm a big fan of playing tough early games, but 
I mean, you don't have to go against Clubber Lang right away. I mean, you, you can you can build it up slowly. Um, All right. So, so I think what you're saying is here we we are, we are just absolutely you know giving Izzo a stand up uh, a standing ovation. We are applauding his scheduling, his his attention, and 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 not just settling for being Sparty and not just settling for being in the Big Ten and not just settling for being Michigan State and not settling for for having a national championship. He is pushing the envelope big time all the time. Yeah, what, like, what, yeah. should, that should be applauded. But at the same time, I'm with you. Like, give your guys a break. Give you, them a break. You know what, I, Gus? You know what I want to do? I, I want to find Coach Izzo, get him an adult beverage, okay, and have me you sidle up next to him. Me look at him and go, "You're right, man. You're right with the schedule." <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, you know, like it's, it's good. And then, and then, and then just let him open up about right, it. Right, right. And then, you know, so we're, listen, who doesn't root for Michigan State? Yeah. I want to see more bridges. I don't think he's going anywhere near the Ben Simmons thing where he didn't play in the tournament. No, that's not an issue. No. But I did look at bracketology. I snuck a peek at uh, Lenardi's bracketology for ESPN. I think he's got him like a seven. I that mean, again, it's uh-huh. so. Do you want to play them in the second round? You really don't. But Harris has to get better. I believe he will. But right now, you know, he's up and down. Uh, the big guys are good inside for Michigan State. But, yeah. And, and Naren is a, is a real tough point guard defensively. He pushes it. But Harris is the one guy's got to get better. So um, Coach Izzo, you know, get some uh, eggnog, relax during Christmas, and see if we can get a couple so, of easy games. So I, I'm just going to gonna piggyback exactly what you said there. And I think this reflects back upon what we mentioned last podcast is – Michigan State desperately needs some practice time to help define their roles. Well said. I think well their said. roles are defined. I, I think a lot of those things will clean themselves up. Um, and I think they're a little limited. I think they're slightly limited, not 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 limiting Bridges' ability or Langford's ability. Um, but if Tum Tum Nair is going to be your starting point guard, he has a certain ceiling. And if your starting point guard has a certain ceiling – then there's only so far that that team can go. So I, I I feel like they're playing in a very tight window, and and everything has to go right exactly right in that tight window for them to be ultra successful. Um, so I'm totally on board with you. They they really need to iron out what roles they're going to have to find, um, what everybody's uh, responsibilities are going to be on the floor in certain situations, and that's just going to come with practice. So they they need that practice time. They need that bonding time. Um, so go get it, coaches. Oh, do what you're really good at and make that happen. Um, but I do feel like they are limited um, due to Tum Tum. We love Tum Tum. We love the energy he brings. We love the ener- uh, the passion that he brings. I mean, nobody's going to get in your shorts more than he is. But on the offensive end, he is a bit limited. So I, I feel like they are playing in this very tight window Um uh, for what they're able to accomplish. That's a perfect uh, perfect breakdown. Really well done. Perfect breakdown there. Um, so, I, and yeah, I, I think the, the line about finding Larry Brown and his high school team is absolutely hilarious. That's, that's just priceless. Um, I, I think the next place uh, we need to visit has to be, oh, do you want to talk about Valpo and, and Rhode Island? Oh, definitely. That, another great example of a team going on the road in a tough location and playing a game. Yeah, yeah. Tell yeah. them about uh, Rhode Island Valpo. Go ahead. Um, so Valpo, off to the best start in like 50, 60, 70 years. Yep, 70 years, yeah. Uh, I mean, their only loss is to Oregon, who you picked for the Final Four. So. How's, that, how's that King Mark from Florida? Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and I think we gave you uh, a heads up on this game uh, last podcast, and we said, 
You know, you need to pay attention to Alec Peters. If you're not paying attention to Alec Peters, then you're not paying attention as a college basketball fan because the, the dude is putting up 23-plus points per game, and he did it again against Rody. Put up 27, 10 for 10 from the line, cash money. Uh, he even put up a three, hit the three, and he led four Crusaders in double figures. And Valpo's weakness is any mid-major's weakness. Once Peters gets in foul trouble and their starting backcourt goes to the bench, it's 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 their you know it's their uh, backup players just take a the, the drop off is is noticeable. So if they have their starters and Alex Peter on the floor, then they can play with anybody and show them they can beat anybody by beating uh, Rody. But once those guys go to the bench, that drop off is noticeable. So if those guys are on the floor for thirty plus minutes, third game with anybody, I'm pretty impressed with them. Um, but something to keep an eye on in big games. They wanted to they wanted to shred the dreaded king of the little people, labeled by beating little rank, uh, you know, their little teams. But thankfully, Valpo now has that win they can hang their hat on come March when uh, they are looking at bubble teams. And for the first time in 40 years, which dates back, I don't know, like when we were in high school, who even knows? Um, they beat a ranked opponent on the road. Hugely impressive. Um, and another guy that we told you to look out for, E.C. Matthews, they held him to eight points. Maybe the guy that we need to be talking about for A-10 Player of the Year isn't E.C. Matthews. Maybe it's Hassan Martin instead of him. So I think there was a couple of things that kind of changed our view and we got to look at through a different lens with this game. Um, but ultra impressed with both teams but really impressed with Valpo on the road here. Yeah, you, you nailed it. You nailed it across the board. Uh, you know, love Valpo. They've they're been a really, really good mid-major school for a long time. We remember the shot by Valpo, Bryce Drew, the whole thing. Um, Great history. Yeah, they, they uh, but their bench is weak. They're not getting a lot of production on their bench, so they mm-hmm. got it. They got uh, and you're right. They held Matthews. I think was six points. Matthews is six points. They got eight days off until yeah, they, single digits. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, but they have eight days off, and then they get to go to <laughs> Lexington, Kentucky, oh, um, man. which I think is a good test. I mean, listen, they're not winning that game. Okay, no. if, if they are, I will apologize to Valparaiso on the podcast, but. I'd love to see it in single digits, right? I mean, that would be a big step forward for them. They got to stay out of foul trouble in that game. I think Peters is going to get his. I think he's a talented guy. He's going to score against anyone. But you nailed it. And listen, Rhode Island has been ranked now for three weeks in a row, which yeah. I think is the first time that's happened in, in maybe school history or quite a long time. So this sure. is fine. Good job by Danny Hurley scheduling a tough road game in Valpo. It was really close. Um, yeah. But I agree about Martin. Martin, is, it should be on more people's radar. Matthews will come around too, but he was very – you know, Trayvon blew it in this game, right? He's not, he's a little uh, more, you know, he's for your comparison, superior. Yeah. yeah. Um, but listen, both teams are good. We're happy for Valpo. We'll see you in a week in Lexington, Kentucky after Gus, a UCLA loss, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love the fortune telling right there. That's beautiful. And go ahead. If I just annoyed you, feel free to uh, tweet the show at, at the S podcast uh, on Twitter or myself at fantasy FTSY warrior Mike, or you can tell uh, Gus how crazy I am at, at C K E A R N S 12 C Kearns 12 on Twitter. 
I'll read all crazy tweets that I, I, I would I would welcome any of those who tell me that uh, Mike Randall is a little bit off his rocker and a little crazy. Love and, it. And Twitter is alive. I like to thank. I, I I don't have. I have to find it again on my phone. I like to thank the gentleman who who tweeted me last night. Shoot the ball, London. That's exactly right because they almost <laughs> lost at home to Ohio State, and all of a sudden Parentis decided to show up. So hit us up. Uh, on, hit us up on Twitter, guys. Yeah, we'll get to that game in like in, in two seconds. Uh, that, that, was a, that was a hilarious tweet. Uh, thank you guys for participating in the podcast by on Twitter at uh, S the S podcast on Twitter. That was a tremendous job out of that guy. That was absolutely fat, fabulous. Um, hey, uh, for the next game, I think we need to highlight one of the players that you prognosticated was going to have a big impact this year uh, for Wisconsin. So why, why don't you just go ahead and and toot your own horn a little bit and, and say like, hey, I got this one right. Yeah, because there may be a million I get wrong. And so far, already my All-American teams don't seem to be doing well. But yeah, listen, I liked Ethan Happ. All right. I think he's the best third scorer in the country. No disrespect to any yeah. of the big teams. Inside, outside. He went 24-13-4. and four. Uh, really played very well. Syracuse is going to play that zone. That's where he's going to excel. I think he's going to struggle against big athletic players. I mean, who wouldn't? But right. Hap is at his best. He's a cerebral player. Um, for this game, Koenig was real great with 20 uh, points, 6 of 9 from 3-point range. And then, of course, our, our guy, Nigel Hayes, sat Gus in the middle of that zone, right at the foul line, foul line extended, yeah, yeah. and just became the floor general dissecting this this uh, Syracuse zone apart. Almost had a triple-double, 9, 10, and 11. Uh, guard put him back in, and he missed the free throw. He said it was like a lot of pressure, right. you know, so because everybody's yeah. screaming in Wisconsin because Wisconsin has great fans, and they know that it was only this. It would have only been the second triple-double in history. I, I think uh, somebody had it in history. It could have been John Gasser, but um, – but anyway, they, they, the Badgers came out on fire. They were strong. They are 14 about halfway through the first half. Then Koenig and Hayes get two fouls. They go to the bench. And then the transfer from Nebraska, Andrew White III, um, brought Syracuse back. He's going to be an issue. Pay attention to him. He had 14 first-half points. And then the Orange were only down four at the half, 42-39. But then they put Nigel Hayes on him. And that took care of Andrew White III because he had three minus three, zero points in the second half. Uh, they did lock down Leiden. I was very impressed on multiple fronts with Wisconsin. Number one, um, I love how Gar put Hap and Nigel Hayes in positions inside the zone where they could be efficient. And, uh, uh, you know, Coach Greenberg mentioned this uh, via Twitter, and he said he was really impressed with uh, Hap's, like, ability in small windows to be really athletic. And I think that goes on both sides of the floor for him. He, you know, he's an underrated defender uh, and leads the lead, uh, leads his team in steals. But also, when provided with a little bit more space, which the zone does provide, that Syracuse plays like it's almost like he's more efficient with that little extra space. And then putting Hayes on the inside of that zone as kind of like the periscope guy, where he can kind of uh, evaluate uh, what's happening on the floor with the ball in his hands in the middle of the floor, he thrives in that role I was so impressed with how they changed things up for the zone again that just goes back to guard doing a great job as a coach putting his position his players in positions to be successful um just really blown away on all fronts and I think Hap on Leiden and Leiden having only single digits really speaks to Hap as a defender and um talks like how effective he is on both sides of the floor so across the board totally impressed with the Badgers um and offensively and defensively, I think some things stood out for them. 
that were kind of eye-opening that you kind of forgot about and were kind of glossed over because of that UNC loss, but totally came back to sparkle and were in focus after this win against the Orange. Like, so really impressed with the Badgers across the board. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's uh, let's hit the next game. You want to uh, let's let's go at uh, Louisville Purdue. Uh, all right, yeah. This game uh, followed the script. It was tough, hard nosed, grinded out every time the floor. Um, your observation of Louisville, Mike Randall, was totally spot on here. You saw in the Louisville game that Louisville's length was really a factor and really an issue. And Baylor's strength, Hap and Swanigan, length, size, and side, was totally negated by uh, Louisville and their underrated or unrecognized size inside. Um, Biggie had another double double. Here he goes. Let's let's hope he he continues hitting up double doubles and leads the the, the country in rebounding. But it was it was neutralized. Um, Purdue did get it back in the second half where you thought it would, and you thought maybe for a second is this going to be the Baylor game all over again for Louisville? But then the Cardinal found a way to close out the game and close the deal this time, as opposed to falling prey and having the whole thing fall apart like it did last time. Um, so I was pretty impressed across the board with uh, Louisville, how they were able to rebound off that tough Baylor loss. Um, but here's another thing I wanted to take away and point out about Purdue. What other program would lose a first-team all-Big Ten performer and the defending Big Ten defensive player of the year in Hammonds and then come back and maybe be better the next year? You know who would do that? Matt Painter and Purdue. That's who would do that. Um, so really impressed with uh, Purdue. Um, I bet if they make another Sweet 16, um, they may even be better than last year. I was just for really, really impressed with them. Um, and this further this furthers the screen, the screener parallel with Painter and our other guy that we like, Tony Bennett. Yeah, so true. I never felt in my heart that Purdue was going to win this game. Uh, Really very impressed with Louisville, like I mentioned, against Baylor. Early on, sometimes they don't look good, you know, and Patino always gets them ready. But now they look good. And so I wonder what – this is the biggest Louisville team that I've seen ever that yeah. he's had. And he rotates them in quickly, does a very nice job. Um, Hoops is going to talk about in a minute. You know, Purdue's got the size inside, and he he thought that they were going to really give Villanova trouble, and they did. Um, Haas went off in the second half of that game against Villanova, but Villanova did win it. Um, really solid game, tough, hard nosed. Louisville's really good. Patino's going to get him better. We like Purdue. Great job by Matt Painter, uh, but never really felt they got it close at the end, but never really felt that Purdue was going to lose this. Um, so again, the, the the parallel between losing the big player. Um, and a defensive player in your league cannot be any closer to Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett did the exact same thing last year. Malcolm Brogdon was a defensive player of the league uh, of the year in his league in the ACC and first team um, all ACC. He loses him, and what happens? The exact same thing. UVA is very good again. Now, did they need a little bit of a miracle to beat uh, Ohio State on the road? Yeah, the Buckeyes were up big in the first half, and usually when UVA goes down big, they just don't have enough O to come back unless they have Malcolm Brogdon, which they don't this year. But guess what happened? London Parentes started to shoot the ball in the second that half. That a boy. That a boy. Shoot the ball, London. So he had he puts up 15 in the second half. He's four of eight overall from three. Uh, that's my guy. 
if somebody else can step up and be the second or first in this case, like first scorer for UVA, um, they'll be ranked all year. They'll be a top four team, uh, you know, one, two, three, or four seed in uh, come March. Um, and by the way, UVA held Ohio State to 25 points in the second half. That's wow. so. That's so UVA. So UVA. Great comeback win for him uh, for for the Cavs. Um, love to see London Parentis put up the ball in the second half and get uh, aggressive offensively. That's the London Parentis we've been waiting to see all year. And boom, it popped up at the time when the the Cavs needed it the most. Yep, I, I will say this: uh, what I got from this game, I'm a little worried about Virginia. Now, yeah. Austin Nichols is is gone, and I'm not saying they needed him, or I'm not saying he was going to be this massive impact player. But listen, Tony Bennett does a great job. Virginia's going to win a lot of games. They're going to be in contention for the ACC championship again. But they've been to the tournament. They've struggled in the tournament. Giddy Potts takes care of their biggest rival last year that they're in the same bracket with. They still can't make it through. Yeah, I feel like this team, no Brogdon, is less talented than past Virginia teams. The defense is solid. They are going to struggle to score. I understand the Prentice may not be the most athletic guard at his position, but he's a tremendous player. He has to score as much as I get on him because this team, I don't see with the new rules and the freedom of motion in college basketball, I don't see this team winning five games in a row. So they're going to need some offense, and whether it's Michigan State or someone else, I mean, I do not see them possibly beating a Kentucky, a Duke, um, a a, a North Carolina, an Indiana. I just think the tournament favors that. So I love what Coach Bennett does, but I will tell you, in Mike Randall's world, they're officially on. I'm officially putting them in the concerned area. You know what? Losing Austin Nichols. Uh, did a bunch of things, but more important, the most important thing I think it did for UVA was it it, it, it took away that, that score, that lead score or second score that they needed. Now they're going to be searching for that every game. Maybe the freshman guy is, maybe Shyak is. Um, I don't know who that's who that other score is going to be, but until that guy gets rectified and gets really defined, I think they're going to be searching. I'm right with you, um, but they're not going to get shorted for effort, and they're going to d the heck out of you um, every single night. So they'll have a chance. But it's just going to be a question if their jump shots are going down for whoever happens to be shooting them. And that's kind of the mystery of who's going to be putting them up. That's exactly uh, right. Yeah. So I, I think that one other quick hitter we wanted to get to that's not exactly, uh, you know, the, the, the game of the week or anything, but it needs a little highlight is uh, Washington and TCU. TCU takes down Washington. Um, TCU is now, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike Randall, 7-0. and Yeah, they are. Uh, Jamie Dixon, what a job. His alma mater. Yeah, so I, I know that a couple of years ago, if we hit the rewind button, um, uh, uh, TCU was actually ranked maybe 24th or 25th when they got to a similar start um, where they were one of the last undefeated teams in the country. And uh, I feel like that was just like a token ranking um, by the voters. But for some reason, this feels different. This feels like it's real. This feels like it has some longevity and sustain, some st- sustainability. Um and I think the other part to take from this game is um, we got to talk about the Fultz factor. Um, the dude is sick. He's putting up crazy numbers. He did it again against TCU. He put up 21, 14, and 6. He was 3 or 4 from 3. Um, he's averaging over 20 points a game with other crazy numbers to go along with it. But, man, is it going to happen again? 
I really hope it doesn't happen again and we start continuing this conversation with, with the, the Ben Simmons redux. I'm so dreading that this is going to happen. Here's what I'm wishing. I'm wishing somehow it turns into a Chris Dunn conversation. Ultra-talented guard with unreal numbers who makes the NCAA tournament and has some rememberable moments during the season and in the postseason um, and gets drafted just like Chris Dunn did. Thanks to Chris Dunn for doing exactly what he did in his career. And we're going to say thanks to Melo Tremble, thanks to Demiris Jackson, thanks to Jawan Evans, thanks to Josh Hart, and thanks to your guy, Jared Blossom Game, for returning to further their craft under fine coaching staffs. NCA fans and viewers are the winners with these tough decisions that these players have to make every year. And I just hope that we don't have the Ben Simmons conversation with Fultz. I hope it's more of a Chris Dunn conversation with Fultz. Yeah, I, well said. Listen, Fultz is incredible. He's absolutely an incredible scorer. He's fast. He attacks the basket. He can shoot it from three. He's athletic. He does it all. I want Washington in the tournament. I don't want a Ben Simmons situation. I don't care if it's the playing game. Gosh, it's the playing game in Dayton. I mean, let's just go there right now. But uh, it, it, there, it concerns me. Jamie Dixon doing a great job. He loved Pittsburgh. The only job I think he would have left for is really TCU. It's his alma mater. Yep. They're in the Big 12. He's mixing it up. I went over this. It's kind of the reason why I'm down in West Virginia. Um, yeah. I just think the whole conference is loaded. Uh, but, yeah, you said it well. I mean, listen, Lorenzo Romar has a nice job up there. He did lose a lot to, to – um, he t- tends to lose a lot of guys to the draft even yeah. ahead of time. Um, and, and, recruits. And, yeah, he recruits. He lost Nigel Williams-Goss, right, to Gonzaga. I mean, so there's a couple things that went on there. But yeah. he got a great one here. We just hope they improve and they get enough wins. I mean, gosh, you think he'd, you think he'd, sell, he'd, he'd um, take right now if he gave him 18 and 12? I think you would because I think they'll make it end with that. I, I would hope so. I really hope that they find a way in as like a 10 seed. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think – didn't Dix hoop Weiss – talk about this a little bit too yeah it's a perfect lead-in so folks yeah. we're, we're going to play for you now the interview with uh dick hoops weiss uh hoops of course in the philadelphia uh, hall of fame uh college basketball writer he got the kirk gowdy award from the uh nba the basketball hall of fame uh up in in massachusetts came on with us gave us 20 solid minutes i mean we could have talked to him for three hours it's just you know so thankful so it tells you what he, he's got going on what he's got going on uh the games he covered his thoughts so here you go uh, here's the interview with Dick Hoopsweiss, uh, Blue Star Media, legendary sports writer for 40 years. Gave us a few minutes. Folks, we have an incredible guest on the Screen the Screener podcast today. We are honored to have the great sports writer Dick Hoopsweiss, a 40-plus year sports writing veteran who has covered college basketball in Philadelphia, across the country. He's in the Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame. He's a current Blue Star Media sports writer. He's been a columnist for the Philadelphia Daily News, the New York Daily News, and he's co-written so many wonderful books with coaches like Rick Pitino, John Calipari, with Dick Vitale, and he, he has also authored a tribute book on Duke coach Mike Krzyzewski, the legendary Dick Hoops Weiss. Hoops, it's an honor to have you here. Thanks for coming on the Screen the Screener podcast. Hey, Mike. It's so good to talk to you. That is great. So, Hoops, uh, you know, we, we are following you all over the place, and, and we are thrilled uh, to know that you just landed, I guess, from the Bahamas. Is that where you were? I did. I was in the Bahamas for the uh, Battle for Atlantis, and I stayed around to watch Kentucky play on Monday night against Arizona State. It was worth the trip. I mean, Atlantis is a beautiful property, a little expensive, but uh, they, they have an unusual setup. They play all of their games in a self-contained 
contained area in a 3,900-seat ballroom with low ceilings and pretty good lighting. It's a different feel for visiting college teams and the teams that they had in this tournament this year, the semifinal games came down to uh, uh, Baylor and Louisville, Michigan State, and uh, Wichita. So it's a chance to get a feel for teams around the country and coaches that I really like. Uh, and it was also a chance to find out a little bit more about Baylor. They're a lot better than I thought they were. The kid Jonathan Motley is the real deal. He averaged 20 points throughout the tournament, was the MVP as Baylor came back from an unbelievable 32 to 12 deficit to beat Louisville in the championship game. And then I stayed around to watch Kentucky, which may well be the best team in the country right now, which is scary for which is pretty scary to say. But, you know, this is a team that starts four freshmen and a sophomore. It's, I mean, they got 115 against Arizona State. It could have been 130 easily. And that's in a 40-minute game. If this is the quickest team, Mike, that I've seen uh, to play, ever to play for John Calipari, and that includes the 10-team of John Wall and the 12-team that won the national championship. I mean, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Bam Adebayo are all going to be fairly high first-round draft choices after this year. Yeah, you, well, you hit on two teams that Gus and I have talked about extensively. Uh, you know, Kentucky, uh, Calipari has just he, – he's gotten to this mold where he gets these kids in, and it's so underrated. They're talented, but he gets them to play together. And this team is incredible. What, three games in a row over 100? Incredibly explosive. Yeah, you know, well, you make a really good point. I, I, I'll tell you what really impressed me is – how quickly they have grasped concepts. I mean, they are way ahead of, I think, his championship team and the 15 team that got to the national semifinals wow. uh, with 38 straight wins because they they really share. They play for each other. They're starting to shoot the ball. When they were in the garden, they were pretty good defensively, but Fox really didn't shoot the ball well that night. They really relied heavily on Malik Monk to go out and get make seven threes and that yep. uh, twenty-one point win over Michigan State. But down 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 in Atlanta, I mean, Fox has a triple double. They put five all five starters in double figures. I mean, uh, Monk has twenty-three. Briscoe, who made an incredibly intelligent decision. To come back for his very smart. He yep. Finishes with yeah, finishes with with, with with twenty. I mean, they are they're loaded, and then they have four guys. They had nine block shots in that game. They have four guys who are six ten or bigger, uh, and they really run the floor. They they they'll rebound, kick it out, and they're one they're one pass team to the rim. They really get up and down the floor fast. Uh, I was surprised, and they execute out of the half half court much better than some of this other team. Yeah, it's you know I put out a Twitter poll last night because we, we are so excited to see that UCLA Kentucky game on on Saturday. Oh, you know what? So am I. It, I am. I. 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 You know. I. That. I'm impressed that that, that you have that one on the radar. I. I mean, they play at Kentucky's pace. 
Yep. And it'll be very interesting to see the matchup at point guard. I mean, I have to tell you, I didn't think Lonzo Ball was as good as he was. Yeah, neither did we. But yep. He is. <laughs> I mean, he's a double-digit uh, assist guy. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. He, and now he's starting to make shots, right? Yeah, and that's a game. I, I'm, I'm, we're going to talk about this today. We're talking to Dick, the great Dick Hoops Weiss uh, from Blue Star Media, a Philadelphia Sports Hall of Fame writer. We're, we're going to talk about this today. There's a lot of guys on that team, Hoops, that remember that game out in Chicago two years ago that was 41-7. Oh, to yeah. seven. Um, So I know it's in Lexington. And listen, Kentucky obviously is the favorite they should be. Um, but that's going to be a fun game at noon on Saturday. Get your popcorn ready. You know what? I totally agree with that. If I wasn't going to be down at Navy for Navy and Temple on the American Championship, because I still think, I'm one of these people who think that, that Navy is still the best non-Power 5 team in the country and probably wow. deserves a spot in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, but uh, that that's going to be a sensational game. And then when they picked up T.J. Leaf and... They and they and they got ball. It changed a lot of the way they play. And Hamilton has really come into his own too. I mean, it's a team with a lot of pieces. I mean, it looks like it looks like they could be as talented as anybody in the pack, and that includes Oregon. I mean, uh, Oregon has has got bodies, but UCLA is playing at a very high level right now. You know, hoops. It sort of it sort of gets to my my overarching point, which is. I, we love college basketball. We certainly do. But I, I think that this start to the season has been one of the most exciting that I've seen ever. Yeah. I mean, just last night, right? Indiana comes out, plays a great game against UNC, beats them. They beat Kansas, put 103 on them, and they lost to Fort Wayne. I mean, if that's a sign of things to come, I mean, we're in store for a great season. Uh, yes. I mean, that game, and then last night, Oklahoma State plays Roger State and wins by six. Right, right. Some crazy <laughs> scores. I knew it was going to be crazy. Down in our area, and I live right outside Philadelphia, and uh, Chestnut Hill, which is a small little school that's beat Coppin State, not that it means anything, but you are getting D3 teams wiping out D1 teams. Yep. I mean, and it's, it's, it's crazy stuff. The Fort Wayne thing really stunned me. Because I thought that Indiana was playing almost as well as anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. they have at least three of their guys who are legitimate Big Ten stars, and I would think they and Wisconsin and Purdue would probably fight it out for the Big Ten championship. But they're really hard to beat at home. Yeah, let, really hard to beat at home. No, absolutely. And, and let's slide over. You know, you obviously down Philadelphia, Villanova. I mean, you you know right. what what a year that must have been. We've been, really been impressed with the Big East. I mean, between Villanova, Butler, Xavier, and Creighton, who some people may not you know know about as much, um, even though they had the big win over Wisconsin. Talk about the top of the Big East. Is that a conference now that measures up with you know your Big Twelve and your ACC well, and your I mean, Big Ten? Certainly, they may not have the quantity that the ACC has this year, but the quality of their top four is excellent. I mean, I thought Creighton was going to be good. I didn't realize how good Patton was. Yep. I didn't realize what an impact Marcus Foster would have on the team. I have watched the little kid Watson play ever since he was in high school. Oh. He's he a Philly kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he starts out at BU. And I, I had seen him at a, uh, the Concha Hawkins tournament, which is a uh, – postseason basketball tournament they have in the suburbs here. Sure. Uh, and he had 
committed early to BU, and I said, this kid is much better than that. And people get fooled by his size, but, you know, there's no fooling his talent. He is a, He's on a sensational run. Butler is as fundamental as ever. I really think they made a wise choice with their coach. Xavier looks like they could be as good as last year, maybe even a little bit better. And going over, uh, this may well be Jay Wright's best shooting team ever. Wow. You take a look at his personnel. He's eight guys that can make a three in-game situations now he's a, he's he's hurt he's hurt a little bit phil booth hasn't played the last three games and mm-hmm. uh, timmy delaney has hardly gotten uh off the bench because he's been injured but uh, they have guys who can make shots now it comes and goes but uh hart and jenkins brunson booth defense Earth Pascal on a good night can all put the ball in the bucket, and they seem to have a, been able to surprise, uh, survive with Daryl Reynolds in the middle. I mean, they got by uh, Purdue on the road in Mackey in that early season game. Big win. Uh, yep. But I, yeah, I, I, I was a little concerned when they played that game because I've, Isaac Haas had a huge second half, and I wonder how they're going to do against teams that have length this year and I wonder how they're going to do with manufacturing leadership. I thought they they got great leadership out of Ryan Arch and out of Daniel Sheffield last year around the defense. I think that that had a lot to do with their success. These guys could afford to be who they were without taking the responsibility to lead the team. Now, I'll say this. I think Josh Hart really helped himself when he stayed in school for uh, for an extra year, I think if he had left last year, he might have been drafted, might have even played in the league. But now he sets himself up as a first-team All-American, and he's playing at a very high level of confidence as a senior. Oh, definitely! I love when the players stay. I mean, I know that you know you want to get out there, you want to help your family. Feel this. Yeah, of course. <laughs> let him stay. You know, stay but one more say, year. Yeah. You know, and it was so great last year. Now I'll say this. I think Villanova really kind of lucked out last year. If you think about it, I mean, the number one and two picks in the in the draft, Simmons, the kid from Duke. I mean, I mean, Simmons doesn't his team doesn't make the tournament. Duke gets knocked out in the Sweet 16, and Jamal Murray, who is the third best uh, freshman, uh, loses in the second round. So when you look at the the teams that advanced the Final Four last year. Syracuse and Villanova got there. They're the only two teams that had freshman starters, Malachi Richardson and uh, Jalen Brunson. Uh, I mean, and so freshmen did not decide the championship the way they did for Duke in 15. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. We were drawing a parallel. We're worried about, I mean, how good is Markel Fultz out in Washington, right? But is he going to make it? I saw him practice. Uh, I was at Colorado Springs. They had the tryouts for the eight teams. I'm saying, you know, I'm not saying he's Michael Jordan, but he's following the same path as Jordan, cut from the varsity as a sophomore because he was too small, was 5'10 as a sophomore, grew to 6'4, now 6'6. I mean, every time he goes out, he's good enough to get, get you 30 and 15. Oh, no doubt. I, you, I'm, I just want him in the tournament, Hoops. Yeah, I hope he gets in the tournament. Oh, like you know, I worry about that. I mean, you know, it's funny. 
Lorenzo Romar has done a great job recruiting great players. If the two freshmen he had last year had stayed, I mean, they would have been a load to deal That's with. That's so true. But he gets them and they leave. I'm sure Fultz is going to leave. He's got Michael Porter coming in next year, who I think is a sensational talent. He may only stay a year. He's got Porter's younger brother, Johnny, who's going to be a seven-footer. I'm not sure how long he's going to stay. So sometimes it kind of reminds me of Paul Hewitt with uh, Georgia Tech. He would get players like Thaddeus Young, and they'd all leave after one year. Yeah, that's a great that's a great comparison. We're talking to the great Dick Hoops Weiss. Hoops, you touched on a on a team that that I feel strongly about. I, I did predict Baylor to go to the Final Four this year. Of course, the early season prediction. I'm very impressed. Yeah, I I, I I guess I'm learning off that Syracuse zone from last year, right? And no one thought Syracuse could get in the tournament, and then they make the run, right? Um, you know, I'll tell you what. They, you know what makes them so good is they get contributions from the bench. Yep. I mean, when they played. Louisville, I mean, the bench, I think, had 27 of 42 points in the second half. Wow. I mean, it, that was pretty impressive. And the kid, I had never seen the kid, the kid King McClure play before, and he had uh, 15 in the second half, and T.J. Matson had 10 of 12 in the second half. And, uh, you know, they got the lead when the kid uh, uh, – Jaden La- Layden, is it? Yeah. The, yep. the, the guard, the backup guard. Backup guard, yep. Two mm-hmm. breakaway yep. layups uh, to give them a 59-56 lead. And uh, their depth was very impressive to me. I mean, you know what you're going to get with Motley, but it was not It was not exactly a game where their starting backcourt played great. I mean, Wainwright is experienced. The point guards' experience, but uh, they got they got it all from the, from 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 their backups in that game, and it was and it was very impressive. It shows me that they can go in a lot of different directions when they play. Sure. Yeah. Well, well, hoops. Listen, I know you're you're busy. Uh, you're probably writing an article right now. <laughs> uh, just tell us what what do you got coming up? Uh, you said you're covering the, the uh, Navy I'll game this weekend. I'm, I'm going to be in the Garden Tuesday for the Jimmy V. Oh, great. Then I have to go to Army Navy because I always go to that game. I'm gonna after that I'm gonna see Temple Villanova at Villanova. I think I'm gonna go to Vegas on the seventeenth for the doubleheader with uh, Kentucky and uh, uh, Carolina and Ohio State oh. and UCLA because I need to see UCLA play. I think I might try to slide down to see Kentucky and Louisville right before Christmas. Then I have to do some football. Oh. I, it's uh, you know I mean I I'm there's some big games coming up early in the Big East that I wish I could see I mean the Villanova Creighton game the, on December twenty or thirty first is going to be a sensational game I think and then by the time I get done with uh, that the national championship game I will be back in time to see. Going over and Xavier on the tenth at the Pavilion because I think that's going to be a, a terrific game. And you know, I mean, you don't have to go far this year to see. Anytime you have a team in the top two or three, it really helps. And I don't, you know, I think Villanova can have an interesting test when they play Notre Dame. Yep. Up in up in Newark on the tenth, I think that will be an interesting game for them. 
Uh, but there isn't a game that they can't win until the league season. They have four. They have, they they they've already won the first big five game. They have St. Joe's, which is a traditional holy war this Saturday, but it's at the Pavilion, and St. Joe's doesn't really have the uh, uh, front court that they normally have. They have two young guards who are. Uh, Newkirk and Kimball are both playing very well, but I, I don't know that they have enough bodies uh, uh, to beat Villanova on the road. Temple just beat them last night and uh, uh, in a game where they where they gave up 79, and they struggled to beat Penn. But Phil's a good coach. I'm sure it'll be a classic Big Five game, but I, I, I like Villanova in that game. I like Villanova LaSalle next week at the over LaSalle next week at the Blester. And I think the Villanova Temple game is at the Pavilion. And after that, they really kind of go into hiding until they open the league. And then the league should be fun. I, I mean, they've won it three years in a row and during the regular season, but I wouldn't get, I wouldn't guarantee anything because those four teams that we talked about are all really good. Oh, living the dream, my friend. That's an incredible rundown right there. My goodness. I, 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 we can't wait to read all about it and hear all about it. Uh, no, listen, I can't wait to see your podcast get up and running. I'm really excited for you guys. Oh, uh, thanks. We, we, we appreciate that. Coming from you, that's incredible. Folks, that's Dick Hoops Weiss, legendary college basketball, college football writer, Blue Star Media. Uh, Hoops, thank you so much for a few moments and, and enjoy hey, those my games. My pleasure, okay? No, I mean, anytime I can help you guys. I love people who have a passion for basketball and uh, anything, anything I can do to help you guys. We, we appreciate it. Thanks so much, Hoops. No problem. Take care. Wow, what an interview that was uh, by Hoops Weiss. I mean, did you hear, Gus, that laundry list of things? He's, I asked him, you know, what are you up to? You know, you ask me what I'm up to, I'm going to say I'm going to clean out the garage. Hoops got college basketball, college football, and you see him casually, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll head out to UCLA, I'll check them out. <laughs> you know, what a life. Wow. What an itinerary. I'd, I'd, I'd love to look at his weekly itinerary every week and be like, oh, yeah, okay, this is what I have. This is what I'm up to today. Uh, again, so thankful that he carved out some time just to talk to us and talk to you guys on the podcast. Like, so thankful, so humbled, so gracious, uh, loved what he had to add. And, you know, the insight that he gave uh, to the Washington situation was really intriguing because he he had um, he gave he played a little fortune teller and told us what Washington has coming down the pipe, too. Oh yeah, he's on top of it. He he covers. I mean, you just you just name a team and you you shut your mouth and let him rattle off what he knows about it. I mean, you know, and he was there in Philly for Villanova. He's very honest about Villanova. He said he felt they had a, a you know some fortune last year, not having to run into Ingram or Simmons along the way. Yeah. Um, but what a great job they did. Hoops Weiss, thank you so much for coming on. We'll try to get him on later in the season. You know, as yeah, we get closer to March Madness. But what a great job by him. You know what? I think um, the other part that, and you just brought this up, which was really intriguing, was um, that he brings up something that is on everybody's radar um, and in everybody's mind when they fill out their brackets. Like, think about March when you're filling out a bracket and you're kind of flip flopping on which team to pick. One of the defaults that you always go to isn't always like, oh, who's the best player on either team here, right? Like, don't you just say, like, oh, well, who's the best player in this game? Uh, if I'm like hamstrung and I don't know what to do, I'll, I'll take the team with the best player. It was interesting that like, you know, Ingram going two in the draft, uh, Simmons going one in the draft, Simmons not involved, Ingram going out early, that he pointed out that Villanova really benefited 
from not having to run into that particular player in this particular tournament. Um, I think if we're going to go ahead and play Fortune Teller and look at this year's tournament, I don't know if that particular team is going to be, whether it be Villanova or whoever else it might be that might benefit from that situation. I don't think they're going to be, I don't think they're going to be as lucky because I think there's just too much of that talent spread across the nation. It's not like uh, uh, centralized in one area or it's not going to not make it. Um, you know, ma- you know, we talked about full, the full situation aside. Um, I think that there's just too much talent spread across where all of those teams are not going to be eliminated early, where you're going to get one of one, two or three of those teams that do have the best players in that final four and maybe get that one surprise team that we talked about earlier. But I thought that him pointing that out and it was really unique to last year's tournament. Uh, that that kind of uh, opened my eyes, and I had not heard that perspective on it before. So Hoops Weiss dropping knowledge, as always. So yeah. impressive. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. He just gives you something to think about. And uh, listen, I, I love what he said about Baylor. He loved Creighton. He talked about the Big East, you know, Butler, Xavier, everything it's, that, that they have. It's going to be, you know, top the top of the Big East is as good as any conference in the country, period. Um, ACC is going to be complaining about that statement because right now they're they're on top of the uh, the the big uh, 10 challenge they've clinched it but still uh great job by hoops twice can't thank him enough yeah the big, the big east knowledge was really uh impressive too uh we're on top of the big east as well so it was ni- so nice to hear some backup uh from uh, you know one of one of the most esteemed most respected uh uh, uh most looked up to uh, personalities in college basketball um you know where i think we have to go next i think we have to go down the street to broadway what do you say let's hit it On Broadway. So what do we got on tap coming up for everyone? Uh, besides, of course, uh, let, let, let's just do a quick rundown here. So what do you got? Kentucky, UCLA, what do you think? Us? Who do you got? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, so we talked about this a little bit before, how we think UCLA is going to be very motivated. Um, uh, Mike, you, you outlined why they would be. You went uh, recent history of uh, the blowout game uh, where they were down, you know, over 30-plus in the first half, uh, single digits scored in the first half. Um, even with that, I still think Kentucky's going to win this game. Uh, here are my three reasons for the Kentucky winning this game. Reason number one, I think they're going to defend a little bit better. I think they're a little bit more committed on the defensive end. This is the, one of the things that Cal really anchors his program on. Um, not saying that Offer or UCLA doesn't defend. I'm just saying that I think uh, Kentucky is going to defend a bit better. Uh, topic number two. I do think that UCLA's big guys will get in a little foul trouble uh, defending the dribble drive and having uh, taking care of the penetration that Kentucky's guards are constantly on the move for. Uh, and my third reason is if those big guys do get in trouble, that's going to put more uh, importance and put more labor on ball and offered, thus stretching out that defense that we talked about first um, out to the three-point line where they don't have to collapse. So I think if those things happen, I think Kentucky's going to take this game. Um, So pay attention to that. If Kentucky gets to extend their defense out to the three-point line to defend the shooters like Offord, uh, Ball, Hamilton, um, then I think that's going to be a game-changer, and that's going to you know tips the scales one way or another. You know, I'm going to go the other way. I think that makes a lot of sense, everything you just said. I'm picking UCLA, and here are my reasons. Okay. I, I am not sure that we can just assume that freshmen can continually come in to big games, seven games into their career, and shine. UCLA is a veteran team. I know Ball's are a freshman. 
but the rest of the team has been there for a while. They want this game. They're ready for this game. They're going to go in. I think what you're going to read is that Kentucky's going to make some turnovers. They're going to make some mistakes. They're going to foul. UCLA is going to make their free throws. Alford is is has this game circled. I think it is going to be a tremendous basketball game, but I will pick UCLA. And to tie into this, I mm-hmm. put a we put a poll out on on Twitter. Um, yeah. I asked I asked everybody out there Great which, question. which team has the best backcourt in college basketball. Now I put this out sort of assuming that it would be evenly distributed. I put UCLA UNC out there with Britain and Joel Berry the third. Joel Berry the second, excuse me. Uh, UCLA, I put uh, Lonzo Ball and Alfred out there. Uh, for Kentucky, I put Fox and Monk. And for, Can- and for Kansas, I put Frank Mason um, and Devontae Graham. Uh, I wish After 529 votes, thank you everybody for voting, uh, I am shocked. We'll go in reverse order. Britton Berry ended up with 4% of the vote. Ooh. All right. I mean, maybe I put out last night, so they lost to Indiana. People down them. I don't know. But I think a week ago, that would have been a lot higher. Reaction or pick, yep. Ball and Alford, only 8% of the vote. They were leading early, by the way. I don't know if some UCLA people got a hold of the Twitter account. But um, (laughs) the shocker to me, Mason and Graham were first. They beat Fox and Monk. So Fox and Monk were were second. But Fox and Monk only got 19% of the vote. 69% of the responses were Mason and Graham. To me, that's a shout-out to veteran leadership in the backcourt. And I think that is going to show up here. I am going to call the upset for UCLA. Wow. So you are banking on Alfred Hamilton, uh, Holiday, like the guys that have been around and been through the wars a little bit to come up and step up big. I like it. Yeah, I just – I don't think Monk's dropping 26. I mean I think they're going to shut him down. I, I mean listen, he'll have points. Don't get me wrong. He's not going to have two yeah. points. But I mean the the you know it's Fox versus Ball, so he's going to be pushed a little bit. Um, you're going to have Monk against some junior, senior players. They're big inside as well. I know Kentucky's deep. I think payback's a big motivation. Yeah. I, you know what? There's a lot of factors working here and a lot of storylines. Um, but if you're not paying attention to the two best backcourts, possibly the two best backcourts in the nation, um, then you're missing out. So just put your eyeballs on it. It's going to be a great game. Um, usually when we go on Broadway, we go ahead and highlight a couple of games that uh, we're looking forward to. But we just want to start with a player right away. We just want to say, Isaiah Brock of Oakland, congratulations on your first collegiate double-double. Nice job. Nice job. Good one. Coach Camp looks pretty smart, pretty gracious, and pretty intelligent by offering this guy a scholarship and bringing him in to Oakland University. Brock looks like a real NCAA forward who looks like a difference maker on a 6-1 and one Oakland team. They got Oral Roberts in southern Utah rolling into town, so who knows? The next time you hear this podcast... Isaiah Brock may have another double-double, and he may be 8-1. and one. So we just wanted to highlight the, the Army War veteran that is now an NCAA uh, uh, forward for the, for the Grizz in Oakland and uh, congratulate his efforts. And if he ever figures out a way to stay out of foul trouble, he's going to put up bigger numbers because that, that's his biggest uh, hurdle right now as a college basketball player is he gets in there and he, he earns his money with those fouls. He, he's in foul trouble every other game. So if he ever figures that out, look out, world. Um, he's going to be a force and be a double-double machine. So congratulations, uh, Isaiah Brock. Congratulations, Oakland. Uh, thank you, Coach Camp, for providing that opportunity for him. And uh, we hope that's the first of many celebrations for him down the road. Um, uh, you know what we need to look at? The first game, which, again, is like a, a in-podcast look, is Cincy, Iowa State. Um, Cincy is going on the road to Hilton. Um, 
Uh, Iowa State is the ranked team. Cincy, I mean, I don't know what you feel, but they, they could be ranked right now. Like, why not? Um, and this screams differing styles, right? When you think Iowa State, you think up and down. You think Monte Morris. You think a, a efficient uh, offensive. Uh, you think offensive efficiency. Um, you think uh, great turnover to assist uh, uh, ratio out of Monte Morris. And then when you think of Cincy, you think like grind it out. Hard-nosed defense. Every possession is earned. But it's got a little twist this time. Cincinnati has weapons on offense. They got Evans. They have Kupan. They have Kyle Washington. They have Clark. Like, they have actual players that can put the ball in the basket now instead of just relying on the random three-pointer, the pick-and-roll, or a put-back, which is sometimes their best offense. Um and we just wanted to point out Monte Morris's assist to turnover ratio. We have 6.5 dimes. We have 1.2 turnovers. Wow. The, the ball is in his hands all the time, and he is nearly 5 to 1. Uh, out, outrageous. Totally outrageous. Um, it, unbelievably appropriate. And you know what? I bet that's even a little high for his liking. Like, I bet he'd love for it to be a little bit lower. Um Deontay Burton's going to be an issue. He went off against Gonzaga. Gonzaga could not guard him in the second half. So I'm going to be intrigued to see what Cincinnati decides to do with him. Cincinnati does have athletes to match up with him. So if you're not paying attention in this game, uh, I don't know why you wouldn't. And plus it's in Hilton. It's always fun watching a game in Hilton, right? I mean, but I do think, very fishy line here, um, Iowa State favored by seven. I say if you're going to go one way or the other, take Cincy in the points, no doubt. Yeah, totally with you. Listen, I am not as high on Iowa State as you are. I think this is a great call because it's contrarian to your thought. I've said this before. Burton is the key guy, all right? Cincinnati plays great defense. If they shut down DeAndre Burton and he does not play well, they are Mm -hmm. not going to win this game, all right? So it's Hilton Magic. They normally go off. They're explosive. Um, We take a look right now. Just to uh, update the fans in the, in the spirit of full disclosure, it's actually uh, right. They just started the second half, uh, and we got a, let's see, oh, we got a 29-29 game in the second half. So, okay. Um, so this is going to be a close one. That's a low score. That's a Cincinnati score. Mick Cronin yep. does a great job. I think the key is Burton. Morris is going to play well, and I think your, your Bearcats are going to have 8, 10, 8, 6, 8 points across the board. Contrast in styles. Gus is calling it fishy line he's five and one looking to go six and one here we go people uh another not contrast in styles but contrast in how they're going to get to their style uh west virginia currently ranked 25th uva currently ranked six um you think here right away take the under right but maybe not you love that both of these teams and programs and coaches like signed up for this game um us the viewers are thankful Huggy will have his team ready for time, prime time. He always has his team ready to play a big game, whether it be against Kansas or, in this case, against UVA. And I can't wait to take a look at the pace. We talked a little bit about this last time uh, on the last podcast where, where UVA plays this like painfully, uh, uncomfortably casual pace on offense. And you just want to see if the press for West Virginia can kind of get them into a panic mode and see what they do when they are rushed or, or, or get or pushed a little bit out of their comfort zone. Um, I don't know wh- whose personality is going to win out on this, but it's 100% worth watching just for that alone. And again, if, if UVA is going to win, London, just shoot the ball, baby. I bet he shines as the best player on the court in this game. That's my bet. But I think it's also worth paying attention to Adrian. 
Adrian is a great player across the board for um, uh, for West Virginia. Just take a look at his numbers. He's got 13 and a half points. He's got seven, almost eight rebounds, uh, over four assists a game. He's, he's over a steal a game, and he leads them in minutes. And you know how Huggy Bear distributes his minutes. He he is uh, he he has 20 minutes across the board to keep that press fresh, but he always has an anchor guy, and Adrian his anchor guy this year. Um, very impressed with this play early on, and I'm looking forward to this contrast in styles and see if the uh, uh, West Virginia can get UVA out of their comfort zone on offense. Yeah, uh, contrast in styles, always good to watch. I'm curious because I'm not big on West Virginia this year. Uh, I, feel like, I feel like I'm on a free roll here, Gus. Because if Virginia locks down West Virginia, then I'm just going to come on here next week and say, uh, see, West Virginia is not as good as the other And if West Virginia beats Virginia and speeds it up, I'll say, see, I said Virginia is going to have trouble. So every once in a while, the screen, the screen or free roll. But your analysis is spot on. Uh, It's a great contrast in styles. That makes a great matchup, right? Um, What they say in horse racing, uh, uh, there's uh, horses for courses. In this case, it's contrasting styles. And that's what that's what sets up a great matchup. There's going to be a a really good one. Two great coaches. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing the the coaching matchup uh, and seeing like whose will gets enforced more uh, on the court. Uh, if it, again, there's a ton of great games this weekend. I mean, highlighted by Kentucky, UCLA, but the, you know, this game, any other weekend would be the, you know, the marquee game and, and be up on the billboard. Xavier Baylor, Xavier's, uh, ranked seventh currently Baylor's ranked in the top 10 as well. Number nine. And oh boy, Mike Randall, this is a final four special for you. This is one of your final four picks on a huge stage to get a, another huge win. And, and just to, like, give props to your Baylor Final Four pick, like, you know, we, we pay attention to metrics here on uh, Screen the Screener, and Baylor is, 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 I think, the only team in the nation right now that has four top 40 Ken Palm wins against other teams in, in Ken Palm's rating that are in the top 40. I mean, a lot of that's scheduling, but at the same time, Goodness, Baylor! They are just beating people up and getting quality win after quality win. Is this going to be another one? I, I, I don't know. Here's what I think the X factor is going to be: a uh, little play on words there for Xavier. Um, I don't know if Xavier has anybody to guard our guy Jonathan Motley, but at the same point, I don't know if the Bears have anybody to guard Sumner. He's going to totally out muscle, out physical um, uh, Manu. So they might have to bring in somebody off the bench. They might have to put Freeman on him. I, I don't know what they're going to do. So I think whoever gets the most of that mismatch, I think, is going to come out on top. If it's Motley with the big game, I can see Baylor winning. And if it's Sumner um, out physicaling whoever's guarding him with the big game, I can see them winning. So I, I think it's a game of matchups, and I want to see what each coach does to mismatch. And maybe the you know the the crazy Baylor zone does something to Xavier too. So I'm intrigued to see what Mac does. Um, against the you know the one three one or whatever else Coach Drew just decides to throw with them. So I mean, a lot of variables happening in this game, and and some big time players, and I kind of want to see the matchups with these players and what they decide to do with them. Well, listen, I have so many things. I mean, we you know people better want to turn off the podcast right now because I can talk for an hour in this game, but I will keep it short. 
Baylor. No, number one, can you please get a cot ready at your house because my wife will be kicking me out after I say, oh, I'm sorry, it's Saturday and I'll be unavailable from 12 o'clock until 6.30 because I'm going to be watching Lonzo Ball, De'Aaron Fox, and then maybe I'll grab a turkey sandwich and I'm going to follow that up with Xavier at Baylor, all right? So but let's hope uh, the turkey is still good in the Tupperware. Let's go. Come on. It's getting a little dry, my friend, but okay. Uh, listen, this is a game I'm going to be locked into um, – Baylor's going to win this game, and they're going to win this game by double digits. Uh, they're, mm. they're home. They've played so well. King McClure was shooting the lights out in the Bahamas. I think yeah. he's going to be that spark off the bench again. Manon Lacan is definitely going to play better. Xavier's in a tough spot here. They're playing well. I think it will be a close game for a while, and I think Baylor will then blow, blow it open. I think you hit it. They do not have anyone who's going to guard Motley. I no. think they have enough bodies to, to sort of handle Sumner. I love Xavier. I think they're tremendous. If this game was in Xavier, we'd probably be having a different discussion. I do think that Baylor wins this one very, very comfortably, uh, and that's not my bias because I understand, but I just don't think Xavier has the team right now to go into Baylor and win this game. Uh, LeConte, Motley's going to put up big numbers. Um a, a keel inside is going to be a force and yeah, let's not uh, and, forget about him and waco is going to be fired up for this game on a saturday at 3 30 where they got finals so right far. now they're finishing it up uh so this is a big time game and i expect baylor to pull ahead comfortably and i would be shocked gus if we are talking next time and baylor doesn't win this one by something in double digits but what a great game what a great saturday we got coming up oh the yeah the saturday is totally packed you want to add another one onto that um, how about how about we add Gonzaga Arizona to the mix? Oh. I mean, I, I mean, we we are the, the proponents. We are the speaker. We are we are the broadcast. We 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 are totally on board with anything that happens on the West Coast with basketball. And this is the perfect frame for West Coast basketball. Gonzaga Arizona. I wish they play this game every year. Applaud both coaches for getting it done. Uh, finding a way to uh, you know get to both places and everybody be happy with it. Um, West Coast basketball is alive and well with this game. Um, you know what this is going to come down to? It's real simple. Which big stay out of foul trouble? Yeah. Is, is, yep. is marketing is marketing going to get into foul trouble uh, like he did against Butler? And is that going to be a game changing uh, situation? Or are Karnowski, uh, uh, Collins, uh, are they going to get in foul trouble and, and and then be compromised? So I think it's going to come down to if if that happens and they you know those big guys kind of neutralize each other, um, throw Ristic into the mix as well. Um, which backcourt player is going to have the biggest difference-making game? Is it going to be Kobe Simmons? Is it going to be William Nigel Goss? Uh, I'm going to roll the dice here and say William Nigel Goss. I think he's going to be the biggest difference-maker in the backcourt, um, and those big guys are going to neutralize each other. And I, I think his play alone is going to squeak out a win here for Gonzaga. Um, I think Arizona is still riding the ship. I think they will be good. I think they will get it straightened out. I think they will figure out their roles and be more defined much along the Michigan State line. Um, but I'm going to say Gonzaga squeaks out a win, and I love West Coast basketball. I hope Bill Walton takes this game in. If Gonzaga wins this game and goes to 8-0, and look out, folks. That's all I have to say. This is – I'm going to say the phrase again. is a poker theme tonight. This is a free roll for Gonzaga. They yes, go is. in. Arizona has all the pressure. God only knows where Trier is. It's an eligibility issue. So, you know, th- whatever it is, Simmons will be ready. Arizona's going to be loud. It's a tough place to play. Marketing is the key. If marketing stays out of foul trouble, gosh, I still think Gonzaga can win this game. I, I 
this is a Gonzaga free roll. If they win this game and go on the road to go to 8-0, look out. And I will not be able to sleep until that St. Mary's-Gonzaga game because to point out really quick, uh, St. Mary's did beat Stanford. They went on the road and won that game. And I told you they're going to be, I believe, 13-0 or 16-0 when that Gonzaga game happens in Gonzaga. Mm -hmm. This is a big game. By the way, they were favorites on the road in Stanford, like we yeah, call. You got so, exactly right. right. Right on on that one. Um, and last one, a little bit off-Broadway here, but let's give a little love to the Akron Zips going to Creighton. Um, this backcourt did not make the cut for that Twitter question. But you know, I'll tell you, you know what, you're they, right. They very well could be one of the best backcourts in the nation. I, I thought, listen, Gus, I thought about it, and if yeah. it was me and you and a million clones of us reading it, I would have put it on there. But I said there is no way yeah. that anyone is voting for Creighton's backcourt, even though we know they are there. So I excluded them because mm. of the audience ignorance. I apologize if you would have agreed with us, but let's face it, you put this out to thousands of people on Twitter. I just don't think they're buying into Creighton yet. End of the yep. season, different story. But it, I did cross my mind. It really did. I just didn't think they would get enough votes to even make it worthwhile. I, I, I agree with your stance, but also they have to be in the conversation. Uh, again, they're currently ranked number 10 in the nation. I mean, are they due for a letdown loss? Sure. Could it happen to Akron? Sure. Is Akron live? Absolutely. Um, uh the game is – you need to keep an eye on this game if for no other reason because Akron's going to have some sweet LeBrons on. Um, and – to watch that backcourt. I mean, Foster and Watson are are as good as any of the guys that we mentioned earlier for the best backcourts in the nation. Um, but like you said, they just may not get the same exposure due to where they're playing and due to the name on the front of their jersey. But we're totally paying attention to the name on the back of their jerseys. Um, so there's your on-Broadway uh, preview of the game's upcoming. Uh, and we just want to say a couple of things that we owe to the listeners. Uh, listeners, we know... We owe you a trip to the library hold desk. Don't worry. We will check in with the librarian. And we're, work, uh, we're working with that librarian voice, by the way. <laughs> working on that one a little bit. <laughs> I loved your librarian voice. That was hilarious, Mike. Uh, awful, totally great. Awful. Uh, oh, tremendous. Uh, we'll check in with the librarian one of the next two podcasts. We do have a couple of things that we want you to put your eyes on that are worth reading. Um, we also have a couple of listener we also have a couple of listener emails that we need to get to as well. Um, so we'll promise that happens over the next two podcasts. Um, we will also give you a couple more fishy lines. Uh, usually we like to give you two at a time. We only gave you one that was kind of an in-game situation uh, this evening. Uh, so we'll give you a couple of more of those. And uh, uh, we just want to know. We just want to let you guys know that those things are coming your way, and we know that you're looking forward to those. So we just want to say we promise that those are coming your way, listeners. Uh, be patient, and we'll get there. Uh, we don't want to overload you with too much information. And um, we just want to end with some thank yous. We're, we're humbled. We're gracious. We're, we're, we're grateful. Um, we're, we're just thankful uh, for the listeners tuning in, however you decide to tune in, however you decide to consume this. Um, we definitely want to give a big shout, big, big shout to Hoops for sharing his time. You heard his itinerary and he decided to come in and talk to us and talk to you guys. Uh, just unbelievably thankful for Hoops giving us some time. Yeah, seriously, Hoops, thank you so much. Uh, remember, folks, please support it. If you if you like listening, 
uh, rate us on iTunes. You can rate us on Stitcher or on TuneIn Radio. Just search for Screen the Screener Podcast on iTunes. You search for College Basketball Under Podcast with a third one. We're coming after NBC and CBS. We're looking for the Peacock. We're hunting Peacock here in December. Um, you can you can subscribe to us. We're also on YouTube. If you if you search for College Basketball Screen the Screener on YouTube, we do have small 10 to 15 minute segments that we're putting up there. Hoops Weiss is going to be up there tomorrow as well. Uh, and of course, you can follow us at SDS Podcast on Twitter. Follow Gus at C Kearns Twelve. Follow me at Fantasy FTSY Warrior Mike. Uh, can't thank you so much. What a pack show we had today. And by the way, uh, just to give you an in-game update here, so there is uh, what do we got right now? Um, eight eighteen left. We got Iowa State up forty-two thirty-six, but that's a okay. low score. So eight eighteen left to go in the second half. Gus gave you take Cincinnati in the seven. It's Iowa State 42, Cincinnati 36. I feel like this is going one way or the other, Gus. You're going to wake up tomorrow and we're going to be happy or Iowa State's going to go on a run. But I have to tell you, 42-36 in Hilton Magic with eight minutes left is not a score that Iowa State wants. No, I should have taken the under in that game. Um, Hey, uh, two more thank yous. Thank you, listeners. Uh, Man, are we rolling. Just keep spreading the good word to everybody. Uh, you have a college basketball junkie or a basketball fan uh, that that you want to share this with, please do. Uh, thank you for doing so already. We thank all the listeners. Uh, of course, we have to thank the tech department after a great interview like that. Thank you, tech department. Technology. And Belljar, keep rocking screen the screener. I think I even hear them now. You know what that means? Give it to me. Does Hoop Weiss just set the screen? Or does Hoops Weiss all across the country at every big game screen the screener? Thanks, everybody, so much for coming on, uh, for listening to us. We appreciate it. Hoops Weiss, we got more guests coming on next week. Saturday, I'll be sleeping at Gus's house because, oh, by, by the way, that, that next game is at 5.30. So I may be watching all three of these games all night. Thanks a lot, everybody. We'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy. Enjoy.